Thank you for choosing to listen to our sermon podcast. My name is Chris Mitchell. I'm one of the pastors here at First Covenant Church of Anchorage. If you have any questions or prayer requests, feel free to stop by or send an email to office at anchoragefirstcovenant.com. God bless. Like Chris said, um, I returned last Saturday from spending 12 days in India. And I, I want to share about that time. Um, I'd like, though, to um, start with a scripture um, that I believe I have a slide for. Um, this is out of 1 Corinthians 12. Um, for as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would, the, where would, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would the smelling? Where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members of e the members, each one of them, in the body, just as He is pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now, indeed, there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, "I have no need of you," nor again the head to the feet, "I have no need of you." No, much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary, and those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor, and our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. But our presentable parts have no need, but God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, and after that, miracles, and gifts of healings, helps, administration, varieties of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healings? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. And then we know that from here he goes on into the passage on love. So I chose this passage this morning because there are so many things held in this passage that I experienced in India in my trip. I just want to share a little bit about my purpose for going, and then I'm going to show you a little, over, a little video that just has images of my time there, and then um, share some specific ministries that I got to um, be a part of and see, um, and then we'll close with another scripture. So um, I was invited in May. I received an invite from... Um, Merge Ministries, which is one of the ministries of the Covenant Church, of our headquarters in Chicago, to go on what's called a revision trip. Uh, I learned that revision trips are trips that the, um, serve globally in partnership with Merge Ministries, sends ministry leaders into different um, areas where the Covenant has work, 
One, to um, kind of do a report on the ministries that have been supported. You'll notice in your bulletin this morning, there's a flyer um, looking at the Covenant World Relief and Development, where um, served globally and the, uh, our, our um, ministries from the denomination, where they go. Um, and over a million dollars were granted this last year in projects. We still send missionaries and fund um, career missionaries, but more and more our, um, our denomination here is partnering with local people in the different countries to fund what they're doing. And so um, uh, on our trip, there were uh, nine of us total. We were all women, all in ministry leadership. Three of us were from Covenant World Relief um, or the Serve Globally staff. And the rest of us were either pastors or ministry leaders. Shirley London, who, um, whose husband pastors in Bethel, and she's very, um, very much in partnership with him for ministry. She also traveled on the trip, which um, was an excellent joy for me. Um, but in looking at this passage, we see that, um, that we think of often as, our, as, as individually. And, and, that, and that's true. We are individual parts of the body. But it was such a joy for me to see um, a part of our body that is living in India and serving in India. And they too are a part of our body. And seeing within that body how God has gifted pastors and people with gifts of healing and administration for incredible um, nationwide ministries, seeing many people um, filled with the Holy Spirit serving in their own gift areas and the gospel growing, churches growing in a country that is not, that is very hostile to Christian, to evangelism. And so I'll talk a little bit more about that. So, um, but that was the purpose to go to build partnerships. Um, and also, as you know, we'll talk a little bit later, we, we use the communion wafers um, from a ministry that comes from India. And so um, we, we, it was wonderful to get to see and to meet the people um, that we are, we are in partnership, that we are supporting, and that we are um, serving the Lord together, though we're in very different places. So um, I just want to show a little video um, again, this is in no particular order. It's just um, pictures of things that I saw in our time there. I'll, I'll refer to a few of them. And also the, the sound you'll hear behind is um, a congregation in a home at a prayer meeting, um, them singing um, at the prayer meeting. So that's the, the audio behind.
तेरे साम से बार दे यशो gives you a little glimpse of where I spent 12 days. You know, I feel like India, similarly to Alaska, is a place of extremes. Um, we have extremes here, uh, weather. They have extremes there, weather as well, except theirs is the other direction, heat-wise. You saw the article. I was there in the hottest October on record. <laughs> it was supposed to be the beginning of winter, but it was 90 degrees with 70% humidity the whole time um, we were there. Um, but we... Um, it is, it is a place of extremes, and um, extreme poverty next to extreme wealth, um, animals next to cars, Mercedes-Benzes zipping through, um, extremes in the food, spicy, spicy food, um, very aromatic smells everywhere you go. Um, so it's a place of extremes, um, but it's also a place where God is um, moving, um, and, and actually in some extreme ways. So I just want to show you a little bit of a map. Um, so the church that we um, were visiting, it's actually a denomination, Hindustani Covenant Church. Hindustani just means India. That's what um, Indians call themselves, Hindustani um, Covenant Church. So it's equivalent to our ECC, our, our denomination, which is headquartered in Chicago, this is completely run by um, all Indian personnel, and they were planted by Swedish missionaries in the 1800s. And so right now, um, the Covenant Church has 120 churches across the country. Um, there are 140 pastors. There are two hospitals, four schools for poor and marginalized communities, over across 16 states. So we were in that, this kind of main area right here, Maharashtra, that's the state that we were in. Um, and, uh, but you see their work is much broader. So the, the, but the projects that we visited, the churches that we visited are a representation of the larger ministry. Um, the Covenant Church uh, is involved um, with church congregations, schools, medicine and Muslim communities and then with women and helping to empower women are kind of their main focus areas as they do projects through an organization within their denomination called Covenant Social Services. So let's see if we can go ahead and go to the next slide. 
So um, I just got a slide, a slide or two for each of the, of the different things. And I wanted to start with our churches. This is the denomination. This is the denomination headquarters, which is located in Pune, which um, we started our, our trip in Mumbai, which is a city of 15 and a half million people. Um, and we moved then to Pune, where the, the church is headquartered. You see the, um, oops, you can go back. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, so um, down there on the bottom is um, um, Pastor Stephen David. He is the, he's called the moderator, which is equivalent to the president of the denomination. His daughter, Prajakta, was on a trip with us. She serves in global personnel for the Evangelical Covenant Church. So um, she works with the free initiative for um, uh, work with, uh, within the sex trafficking community here uh, in, in the United States. And her dad is the leader there. So she was on a trip up here on the top. Uh, we have Ashke, um, the gentleman there. He was our primary leader and guide for the trip. Um, he has been serving with the denomination there in their social services um, area um, for about the last 15 years. And the woman next to him is um, also works in Covenant Social Services, and she specializes in their education ministry. Um, and then there's a, inside the denominational headquarters, um, there's a plaque listing all the different missionaries that served. I, I mentioned that they were planted by Swedish missionaries in the 1840s. And there's a list of every um, missionary that was there. Um, and it goes into about the 1970s. Um, after that point, the church was not being um, run or missionaries were no longer being sent, but it was, um, it was able to sustain itself through its own people. And yet, there, um, it's still, the church is, the ministry is still very much supported by the Swedish Covenant Church and um, the Evangelical Covenant Church in the U.S. through the Serve Globally funds and different grants. And, and through the grants that you see on this page is where a very large amount of funding comes. Um, they are primarily in a very poor areas where the churches are not able to be sustainable financially. And so um, the denomination supports pastors. The pastors are bivocational. Um, they, they serve as pastors, but they're also then um, earning a living through other trades and other work. All right, let's go on to the next slide. So um, the churches are very different. So this is the Pune Church, St. Andrews. This is right, it's on the same grounds as the um, headquarters. It's an old Scottish um, uh, uh, military fort base area that um, the church bought several years ago. Um, you'll see that this is a very large congregation. There's over 500 families in this community in Pune. You know, Pune is a smaller town, but still has like 4 million people in it, right? So, you know, the population extremes are just like so mind-blowing. Um, and um, this was on a Sunday morning. Um, so my team, the team that I was with, we all went shopping on Saturday, and we all got um, clothing that's indigenous to the time, to the area. And so I, don't, I cannot remember what this type of a tunic is called, but this is very standard for women to wear, um, whether you're poor or wealthy. Um, and then there's also the traditional saris, which I learned are about six to seven yards of fabric wrapped and draped in certain ways. Um, for different occasions. And so you'll see up here at church on Sunday, um, the Pune Church um, is in a city, so it is, uh, it is a self-sustaining congregation um, uh, with uh, middle class to wealthier people, but they also do have um, the lower income classes there as well. But no matter where you are or where you come from economically, 
you dress in these beautiful, bright colors all the time, men and women both. It was one of my favorite things about, um, about, about being even in the very rural areas is incredibly beautiful textiles and, and fabrics. And um, so we took a picture there with the women's group. They have their church service on a Sunday morning. They, they broadcast it on Facebook Live, just like we do. And then they had this huge open court, court um, courtroom, uh, not room, courtyard area. And they have their senate classes meet out there, and their planning committees meet out there. It's such a it's such a um, significant challenge to get to church on Sunday morning because of the traffic, because of the population that they do it all right there Sunday morning, because it, it's a hardship to have people coming back in the week to do other things, and people are spread out all over the city, so they have a great time of fellowship. They have youth that sing um, special music, and you'll see here at the bottom they're advertising for their um, youth retreat coming up called Go Mad, Go Make a Disciple. Um, most people speak, literally everyone pretty much speaks English um, because it was a British colony until the 1940s. So English is spoken, but most people also speak Hindi, which is the national language, and usually two to three other languages because every state, and even within states, have different people groups and languages represented. So um, uh, there's a lot of um, very multilingual uh, communication going on between. So that's, um, that's a more urban church. And then we have our rural churches. And so we have the privilege to travel to three different rural communities um, where there are churches. And this first picture is a home prayer meeting gathering um, this is not the one where you heard the singing, and that, but it's one like it. We have the privilege to attend two of these. So um, the, uh, the church, the, even, the, in, even in Pune, the pastors will visit, they visit two to three homes a day, each of them. There's two pastors. So six homes get visited a day um, with the pastors. And because um, the gospel, so I'll just explain, India is technically a democratic nation, with religious freedom, technically. However, okay, okay. So, um, however, because the country is six is eighty percent Hindu, uh, and then fourteen point two percent Muslim, Christianity. The Christians there make up a small three percent of the whole population, and so the government um, is usually the elected officials are usually Hindu. Um, Muslims are also considered a persecuted religious group as well there. And so um, the government does not allow missionaries to come in. So when we went for our visas, we were not able to say we were going to visit a church, we were going there for tourism, we are going there to visit. Um, we had to be very, very careful about what we said. We couldn't even put that we were pastors applying. You know, We had to say that we're teachers or other things to be able to come into the country. And um, the, the, the churches are, the pastors are persecuted from local government all the way up to higher government, but some experience more of that than others. There's been a, a recent um, turn in many of the state governments to a more um, extremist group politicians, and so um, they're hearing of pastors being beaten often by local local governments trying to discourage the, the ministries there. But so the way, it's interesting, is part of the way that they are, um, they're seeing growth in the church, though, is by meeting in homes. They have their worship services, but then they'll have prayer services in homes where the people live so close together, you know, like, 
so tight together with sometimes just a curtain or a sheet of tin in between their dwelling and the next person's dwelling. That, I mean, you hear everything. And so when a group of people gather to fellowship to sing, like the whole neighborhood hears it, right? Right around you. And so what they do is when it's your turn to host, um, host the home group that week, um, you're encouraged to let your neighbors know that your, your church will be coming and that if they have any needs, if they have any need, medical needs, they want to be prayed for, for healing, um, or just to come and see what it's like, they're welcome. And so, and the two different home groups that we were at were able to attend. Um, there were neighbors who, from other faith traditions who were there, maybe just to peek in, to be interested, but others, one who came wanting um, prayer for a snake bite and other things. Um, there have been many in the rural communities, that is one of the... Um, I'd say one of the main ways that the gospel is, is growing is through healings, through the churches offering, pastors going to the sick um, and being available to pray. And miraculous healings, one of the women at the church, um, this one right here, this is a gathering of pastors, the rural pastors and their wives. And she talked about there have been three different people that have been raised from the dead in their community um, in the last year from uh, an emergency and the pastor. The pastors aren't always there because they travel between villages, but the church and pastors being able to pray in those moments. Um, and then the, the good news um, spreading. There are so many stories that reminded me of the stories in the Gospels and in Acts about how the way the church it was spreading in a persecuted place. Um, most of the pastors, churches, um, the leaders pray fast and pray on Fridays, they've chosen Fridays to be a day of prayer and fasting. Um, when we were uh, at the denomination headquarters, we could hear this music coming from the church building right next door. We were asking, what's that? It's like a full-on worship service going on. They said, yeah, our pastors and our congregation um, have gathered to fast and pray on Fridays because then we have a healing service on Friday evening, and we invite people to come and be prayed for if they need healing. And so um, that's one of the thing, ways the church is growing. You'll see in this bottom picture all the glitter and like the tinsel on the, on, the, on the top. Part of that is because the churches are not allowed to build new churches. Um, the government won't approve that. But church organizations can build community centers that then the Christians can use as a church. Oftentimes the pastor's Residence is on top, but it also has to be open to other community groups to use and other religious groups to use as well. And so the decorations aren't necessarily just the church decorations, though there is a cross at the front. Um, this particular denomination, this particular church uh, congregation is more charismatic in their worship style um, and the way they sing. And so that was really interesting too, just like in a Covenant Church in the United States, our congregations um, have different styles of worship, different um, moves of the Spirit. Um, this happened to be one that was much more in the Pentecostal um, vein of worship. And they, I, was, um, I got a little tickled because they have a cross that's backlit by um, LED lights that is red, then green, then yellow, then blue. It's like pulsating. And, and uh, whenever you pray, there's a guy on the, um, uh, I don't have a picture here, but there's the pastor's son is on the keyboards, and he's like, ding, 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 you know, like building up the drama. And yeah, so um, it was just really neat to see that. And a little humorous too, but also just um, this gal right here is the pastor's daughter. And man, she is a gifted, um, she's very young, but you can just tell the Holy Spirit 
is on her. She um, prays. She leads worship. Um, and um, it was just really, really neat to see her. Okay, so the, and the down here is also, um, oh yeah, this is the pastor and his wife. And then their son, he's the guy that's on the keyboards behind. So we got to eat dinner in their home. And the um, gentleman up to the right, so this church in this area, um, this pastor, in addition to where he lives, he also rotates between three different villages and serves as their pastor as well. So he's not there every Sunday, but different days of the week he travels around. And in this particular community, you'll see pictures later, um, they have outreach to a nomadic group that they've been trying to help settle. Um, but he is one, he was telling us his story here. We heard his story in the presentation that he had been, um, he had not eaten or had any food for four weeks. He was waiting to die. He had six medical conditions that he, one, he didn't have access to health care, and the doctors that he had been able to access weren't able to help him. We don't know exactly what they all were, but that he was ready to die. Um, one of the people in his village heard that our pastor was going to be there. Um, he's a, a Muslim, Muslim person, and asked if, um, if he would want the pastor to come and pray for him. And so he said he would, and the pastor went and prayed for him. And um, you see him now. He's standing. He gave testimony that the Lord healed him com completely of four of his conditions. Two he still has, but they are not life-threatening. But um, he's been able to receive medical care. And now he's helping with the school children that they're, um, they're doing the ministry within his village. And so he was just overflowing with testimony of the Lord's work um, in him. And so that's why I include him in that picture. All right, let's go to the next um, so beyond the churches, they, um, Covenant Social Services have, has projects um, all throughout the, the country. And like I said, we, um, I'm going to show a few that we got to see, but there are many, many more that we didn't get to see from North and Kashmir all the way down to the South, um, in addition to disaster relief efforts. Um, but like I said before, their focus, their main interest for their ministry projects are um, helping to empower women and the poor, providing education for children. There's not public education in India. Um, if you go to school, you have to pay for it, even if you go to government-provided schools. So poor and lower class, most um, families cannot afford to send their children to school. And so the uh, ministry there provides schooling at different levels, um, free of charge. Um, and then the, the denomination covers the fee for that. Um, and so this is one of the schools that they hold. It's called the Rag Pickers Project um, in Mumbai. Uh, I need to get my, I'm going to get my notes here to make sure I get this right. So this is in a community called Govandi, and it's the, it's the largest dump in Mumbai. So now remember, Mumbai is 15 million people. So every day, 275 trucks bring... Um, bring garbage to this area. Um, 6,500 families are living in this area right next to the dump. It used to be outside of town, but as groups from other parts of India experiencing poverty moved into the city to try to make money, to try to earn a living and, and have money to live, um, they began selling around this dump area. So um, they dump 2,200 metric tons a day of of dump and the children from this community are sent into the dump area to try to find rags and other pieces of metal, other things that they're able to recycle and get money for. 
So children go to the dump at 4 a.m. while it's still dark, um, because once, once the day gets going, they start burning. So they dump everything and they burn it. So when the new dump comes in, the children with some of their parents and their teens go out to this area and um, look for things to help earn money. That means they're not able to be in school. It also means that they're exposed to um, cuts. I mean, a lot of them are going out there barefooted. Um, you saw some of the pictures in the, well, these are the bags of things that they've been collecting. Um, but after they come back at about 11, because um, they would get be rounded up by the police if they were there when the, the trucks start coming to dump. So they have a project. Um, that little door on the second floor is the opening to this classroom. That's about 12 by 12, no bigger than 12 by 12, and about, my head almost hit the ceiling, so about six feet tall. And it's the second floor of a woman's home. She's made it available to the church to use for this schoolroom. And there's about 45 children um, from the community. It's primarily Muslim community um, that come for, for, to, to learn. They come, they have about four hours of class um, and activities. They get a, a meal. Um, two meals, um, and uh, they, get, they get loved on by the staff. There's two teachers and a volunteer that work. You see down here in the bottom, Shirlene was passing out the rice that they were getting for the day. Um, and this is one of their projects. This was our first project to visit in Mumbai. And um, it was really, uh, it was very hard to think about if this was my child, right? This is the life that my child would have being climbing through in the dark through um, you know, the waste of a huge city. Um, so they, they also provide medical care for them when they come in. One of their phrases is soap, soup, and salvation, right? They, they wash them, they clean them, they give them, um, they, they bandage their wounds, um, they give them food, and then they teach them primarily English. Um, and again, they, they're, not, they're not openly um, evangelizing in this space just serving the community. Um, but then as parents come and ask, like, why are you doing this? Why, what, um, they're able to share. Um, they're, they're able to be openly Christian, um, but they're not able to um, evangelize um, openly as far as, like, um, for conversion. But the church is growing. The, the gospel is spreading. All right, let's go to the next project. So, so the schools vary. Everything from schools under the trees in the middle of the village um, to very, very organized. Um, the school has 1,800 youth in it. It's in a smaller community, and all, they're all receiving their education free of charge. The, the Hindustani Covenant Church is covering the expense of that. One of the things the church also does is if there are particular kids in these groups that they're serving who are, so, who are showing a special aptitude, they will talk with the parents and see if they would like to go to the public school and then they'll cover their tuition for a year and then also help the families with microloans to be able to have a side business so they can continue to put their kids through school um, beyond just this very informal education. This larger school um, is right next to one of the clinics in a small community. Um, and uh, it, was, it was a very, very impressive school. It was about four floors in this big concrete building. Um, and the children are... Um, they're mostly Hindu and Muslim children. There are some Christian children, but even the staff is mostly Hindu and Muslim. And I think that was a real eye-opener for me, seeing how um, the various religious groups are working together for the benefit of their communities and their children and putting their religious 
differences aside for the greater good. And, um, you know, seeing how often we have a hard time just denomination to denomination to be able to work together for bringing kingdom, kingdom values. That was a, um, a really neat way to see um, with Christ the principals are believers, um, but they, they're working with a staff. And so just seeing how um, they're also not able to uh, openly evangelize, but you have sayings of Jesus on the walls um, at, next to quotes of Gandhi and others, um, and they're taught, they're taught kingdom values. So let's go to the next slide. So beyond the schools and the churches, they um, are finding, they, um, whenever a need comes to them in the areas where they have churches especially, um, they do surveys, they do research to find out what is, what is really the need, and not just what they call, they call it a tree model, not just what the, the leaves you can see, but what's really at the bottom, what's at the root of the problem. They found in the poverty in many of the areas is related to water, the lack of clean drinking water, and how that one thing um, limits uh, access, well, it, it ties, women are the ones generally in the culture who are tasked to go get the water, which is usually at least um, three kilometers away from them, or a mile and a half, so they're making multiple trips a day carrying water on their head. Carrying water on their heads causes health problems because they have neck and back injuries because of that. The children aren't supervised and not able to be schooled. And so just by providing clean drinking water, helping them access that, um, has a, a large um, ripple effect. And so we visited um, some well projects. Um, this is one, uh, it's a well that actually was designed by engineers within the Covenant Church that UNICEF has since copied and taken into Africa. Um, I, you know, I'm not the engineer or science type. I was like, oh, I know a lot of friends who would be like totally geeking out over this information. It wasn't making sense to me, but um, they've put this well in between two villages, one Hindu village, one Muslim village. These are women from the Muslim village that are a nomadic group of people that came over. And not only are they providing water for these two communities, they, they um, purposely put it in between the two. <coughs> these two communities have been kind of, I mean, they're about, probably about three quarters of a mile apart from each other. They're not far apart. They'd walk to the same place for water far away. They put the, the well right in between them. And now there's been a, a reconciliation of sorts between these two communities that who were um, at odds with each other now are learning to work together because of the water. And the, the Covenant Church is like, yeah, we, we want, we, we're teaching them how to maintain it because we don't want it to always be on us. We want them to take ownership for it. And so, but it was really neat to see that. Um, there's also on the top up here, they've been bringing in um, just very basic water, water gathering um, uh, projects so that they're capturing rainwater that's been sitting on top of the roofs that evaporates very quickly if it sits there because of the heat, but they're able to capture it and then redeposit it into the ground. It keeps the, the groundwater flourishing so that then crops are able to you know, um, keep two crops going a year instead of one in this very droughted area. So it's just fascinating how learning what, what this really key problem is and being able to address it, how it was um, bringing life and flourishing to the area. All right, the farming projects, I'll, I'll just flip through this, but they're also um, working with farmers um, the Covenant Church brings um, experts in, in farming to do farming groups to um, teach different farming techniques. 
if there's interest among the people, they reach out to the Covenant Church, then they will help them fund. This is a gentleman who has a farm. He took us all through. He has a worm compost. That's a worming compost pile there. Um, they've been teaching them how to use wormy wash, which is as they filter water through the skin of the worms, makes it um, um, antifungal. And he was showing off his banana crop, how ever since he started using the organic farming methods, that his bananas are bigger than anybody else's and about twice the size of what he was getting before. So now he's talking it up to his neighbors um, who were a little bit skeptical about all this. Um, and so, um, and then he's um, directly involved, connected um, with the church. He, he is not a believer. He's still um, worshiping as a Muslim there, but has a great relationship with the church and, um, and flourishing is happening. Um, okay, we'll go to the next one. Um, this is the hospital. Um, I'll just share briefly about this one. This woman up in the top corner, her name is Mai Franson. As a 24-year-old in Sweden, the Lord spoke to her and called her and told her she needed to go to India um, to care for people in India. So as a 24-year-old, she listened to the Lord and went and had a little mobile first aid unit that she would cart around into different villages. Eventually, over time, it, uh, it moved into a, a stationary clinic and has now grown into this hospital that serves the rural area and provides medical care for um, uh, a very impoverished area. This woman here at the bottom, she's a believer. She's the doctor. And when she was a young girl, the Lord told her that she too was to serve him as a doctor among the poor. And so she leads this medical clinic that's staffed by about eight other people from all different faith backgrounds. And this is just a little bit of their... Of their um, the facility. And you see right over here, here's a newborn baby that's underneath the mosquito net. So they are able to deliver babies. Um, this clinic um, received the highest award from the Indian government because of their care during COVID. Initially, they weren't listed, they weren't able to be a COVID um, serving hospital. But when all the city hospitals began overrun, and if you remember, India was hit very, very hard um, with deaths, they asked them if they would open for COVID, uh, for COVID care. Um, they did, um, and they um, miraculously had no deaths. In, none of their patients died, and only two had to be sent to another care facility in the city. And so the government recognized them with um, excellent care. And um, the doctor says, you know, we, we were obviously doing good practices, but the, it was the Lord. It was the Lord working miraculously through us um, for his glory. So um, encouraging, encouraging ministry there. All right, microloans, um, we visited, these are four different women in one community who had received microloans from the Covenant Church to be able to start their own home business to help um, them financially. Um, over time, they pay back the loans and then uh, that money then is used to give others microloans. So they do this in many, many different projects. Next one. All right, the Home of Hope. So this is, a, this is a ministry where we receive our communion wafers from. And we've had some flyers in the past. So um, one day, uh, early in our week, while we were in Mumbai, we went into the red light district, which was um, about two centuries ago started by a king who had um, an army there and decided he needed to provide services for his soldiers. And so that was the start of this district where, um, where the sex trade is fully legal and fully um, 
and, and alive and kicking, actually. It's, um, India has the second largest open sex trade um, in the world, and it's, the, and it's also um, Mumbai, specifically, is the second largest in India. Um, women are often sold to the industry because their parents have debt. So as young as 13, they're brought, brought to the red light district. Um, we were not taking pictures in that place, but we spent about two hours walking in the, um, in the brothels. Um, the Akshay and Predna, I'll show her picture in a minute. These are two people that are in the brothels every week, um, providing first aid care. providing first aid care to um, the women, um, providing food to the older women. Um, there are um, prostitutes that are in their 60s and 70s that are still um, trapped there. Um, young girls, there's over 6,400 6, registered sex workers in the city. And there are about 2,000 that were working in the building that we were in at any given time. And so um, it's a very dirty place, very dark, very um, just uh, like nothing I've ever been in or seen. And um, the light of Jesus is in there too. Um, Akshay and Predna go in weekly. They have relationships with the women. Again, they care for them. They bring medical care. They have relationships with the, the, the they're called mamas, the people that are, own them, the mediators. They have a wonderful relationship within that ministry. And if there's ever a time when a woman would like to leave that lifestyle, it's, it's very hard to do on your own because um, you have to have money to be able to buy yourself out. The church will um, negotiate um, the price for the women and, and buy them, pay their debts, and then take them to the home of hope, which is a house that they have purchased. We'll go to the next slide. Um, we were there in the evening, so that's why the, the picture is a little dark. But it's a three-story building that has a very, um, inside, it's a very open living room area, multiple bedrooms, and then a large kitchen, and then the area where they make our communion wafers. Um, though, I wish I had a little different picture. The contrast from where these women come from, these like little hole-in-the-wall closets that they live and work in, where there's barely enough room for a twin bed, to the spacious and bright and clean and um, airy place um, is quite, quite the quite a um, contrast. You see that um, many of these women have converted to Christianity over time. Um, that's not, they, they, they make sure that we, that we know that we, we, don't, we, don't, we don't free these women for a transa another transactional relationship. They're completely free. They're free to worship how they worshiped before. They're free. Um, but with the love of God being shown to them over time, many um, have come to faith um, their children are also cared for there as well. They can bring their children. And um, this is a picture. This is Predna. She's one of the women that go in every week. And she um, is holding a picture of the very first woman that came out who was uh, sold when she was 12 into the um, industry and is still living in the home of hope. She had left um, but has had some health issues. Her husband passed away. And so they've invited her to come back and live there as long as she needs. And she said, I will die here. Um, we got to meet her. So if we go back, um, share us to the picture before. 
Um, you see that this woman up here, she's got like a waffle iron. They pour the potato rice mixture into the waffle iron. They press it down. Um, and then there are women who punch, punch the, the wafers out, some that package. And after um, a few hours, they end up with these nice little packages of wafers that then um, get sold to the churches in India, um, that the Christian churches that are doing um, communion there, but then also sold to us in the U.S., um, and that is one of the ways that they are able to, to earn some money until they find out what they really want to do. And then the Home of Hope and the funds there help them to, um, to get training. So this girl here in the bottom, she's been in, she wants to be a fashion designer. So she and her daughter are there. And she has been um, going to fashion design school now. And she was making some of these little Santa bags for a ministry who's going to be like passing them out at a community gathering. So that's one way she's earning money. Um, this is the group of women that are there now. And this dear woman here below giving you a nice view of her teeth. Her story is that she, when she was um, purchased out um, just about a year and a half ago, um, she had no teeth. And they said when she came there, she was always talking with her mouth covered. And they finally, after some time, asked her about it. And she said, well, she was so ashamed that she had no teeth. And so they have been able to get her a new set of teeth. And she just smiles all the time <laughs> when we were there. And so I um, was really wanting to make sure that, you know, we got pictures of her beautiful smile. So it's a very holistic ministry. So that is, I think that's the all that I have for projects. And I just want to close with a scripture that was really, um, I feel like I saw this being lived out in the church and ministries in India. Isaiah 58, is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them and not turn away from your own flesh and blood? Then your light will break forth like the dawn, and your healing will quickly, quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer you, will cry, for, will, answer your, you, you will cry for help, and he will say, Here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with a pointing finger and malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. I feel like personally I've been challenged in a few areas. One, to, be a, to, be, to increase my effort in prayer. Um, the church is so dependent on prayer there. For every element of their life and their ministry, um, they trust in very deep ways. And so I've been challenged uh, by, the, by all of the pastors and the church there and the way they fast and pray and the way they depend on the Lord. I've also been challenged in... Um, like the scripture says, you know, we're putting away the pointing finger and the malicious talk. Just challenge that to look at what, what people, what groups here do I tend to want to distance myself from um, when it comes to, to working or um, because maybe of a doctrinal difference that feels uncomfortable to um, be willing to lay that down and to work for the good, the good and the flourishing of God's kingdom for all people. 
And then I've also been reminded from that first scripture about, you know, we talked about body parts. Shirley London, uh, at one of her devotions for our trip, and then also was asked to share this with the church, the church leadership there, talked about how we have lungs, right? We have lungs, and our lungs breathe in, but they also breathe out. And if we think about breathing in as receiving the Holy Spirit from the Lord, receiving, uh, loving the Lord, our God, with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, receiving knowledge from the Word of God, we, we, we breathe in, we, we breathe in, we receive. But to be a healthy body, to be a healthy church, we also must exhale. And that's the love of others. That's the love of community. I personally have been challenged to um, look at how First Covenant can have a greater impact in our neighborhood. I know we do a lot of great things. We, we open our home for our church, for AA meetings, for um, we have a homeless initiative we're, we're looking at. But I've been really challenged. Like, who, who are we neighbors with right here? Who are the people that live here and here and here? And how can we be a blessing to them? Um, so I think those are some of the, 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 three, the three things that have been really impactful for me. And then I pray will overflow as I serve here. And I just want to thank you for uh, blessing me to be gone for two weeks and for Chris and his support of that. And um, let's pray. Lord, we um, thank you for the testimony of and witness of the faithful believers around the world who right now are, are sleeping, but also the, the, the busyness there, God. There's movement. There's, there's um, life. And Lord, um, we just pray that your light would continue to go forth in the places where the enemy has such a gr uh, grasp. We pray, Lord, for, um, for us here, that we, would be, that we would be a repair of broken walls, um, that, Lord, you would use us in our different contexts, in our neighborhoods, wherever we work, wherever we um, fellowship, wherever we play, Lord, wherever our families are invested, God, that we would be light, Lord, and you would help us to see the needs and to have faith to trust you that you can use us to make a difference and to bring um, justice, to bring healing, to bring light into the world, into your world, um, so that your name would be lifted up and that all people would be drawn to you because of your love that they see in us. Thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen.